Welcome back to Season 3 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Stefano Bini. In this series of podcasts, we are highlighting the best presentations from the January 2020 San Francisco Digital Orthopedics Conference, otherwise known as DOCSF, presented in partnership with UCSF's Department of Orthopedic Surgery, and the November 2019 DOCSF Berlin Conference, presented in partnership with Frontiers Health. In this episode 22 of season three, our last episode of the season, we bring you a superstar from California's Silicon Valley. She was portfolio director at Startup Health, where she worked with over 300 companies and 500 entrepreneurs. Her talk on raising capital and running a startup was a very well-received and fitting presentation to close out season three. Since the taping of the episode, Paulina has joined Equitas Partners, an executive search firm in New York City, but has remained as an advisor to startup health companies. Let's join Paulina on the Berlin stage as she closes out DocSF Berlin. So we're going to take another angle and take a look at that. And for that, we've got two people who are going to be in conversation and helping us to think more about around the business context. So we're very pleased to have Dan Kendall with us today. Um, probably a lot of you already know him. You hear his voice regularly on Digital Health Today. I'm looking for him in those lights. There you are. Okay. Dan is going to come on up here, and he's going to be interviewing Paulina Hannon. So earlier, we heard Startup Help mentioned. Startup Health is based in New York. You guys have been around 10 years now? Eight years, it feels like. And they have this army of health transformers. Yeah, I think it feels like it's 10 because you guys have been so effective. Yeah. And Polina runs, I would really think about, this is the academy and this is really where all the startups are coming through. You're responsible for figuring out the curriculum, guiding them through it, connecting them to the resources that they need to have, getting them to a place of being effective. And she is so damn good at it too. So anyway, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thanks guys. Excellent. Thanks very much for that introduction, Shauna. I am Dan Kendall. I'm the host of Digital Health Today. It's a real privilege to to take this sort of virtual conversation that I have through podcasts and bring it out to an event and have a conversation with Paulina. I also am the creator of the Health Podcast Network, which is uh, the, the home for a variety of other shows that I hope you'll check out. Frontiers Health actually has a show now that we've helped to produce that's available. You'll be able to catch some of the 2018 content that was delivered at another venue for Frontiers Health and also a lot of the sessions that were delivered here and over the next two days will be available. So if you go to your podcast player, whatever it is, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and search for Frontiers Space Health, you'll find that and you can go ahead and subscribe. And with me is Paulina Hannon. I, I actually was going to ask you to introduce yourself, but it sounds like Shauna did a really good job already. Yeah. Anything else you want to add in terms of your background and the, the, the function that you have at Startup Health? Sure. So in shorts, outside of my title of portfolio director, which means some things, but also not too much, I make sure that entrepreneurs are believed. And that's my primary role. Now uh, working with 295 companies as of today, been with Startup Health for nearly eight years now. My primary responsibility is to, to make sure that entrepreneurs are believed within this industry, that they have the confidence that they need in order to pursue their particular moonshots, 
that they have the communication tools at the ready so that their message could be amplified and that they also get access to the resources and the capital that they need in order to do so. When you say that you want them to be believed, is that because there's a credibility problem or... No, it's because what every entrepreneur does is so unbelievable. They're trying to do the impossible. At Startup Health, we fuel health moonshots. And health moonshots are really big and pervasive problems. They affect over a billion people around the world, and they haven't been solved today. So if I approach you and I say that I want to end cancer, or that I want to cure MS, or that I want to bring access to care to everyone around the world. Likely, most of the responses that you're going to get are, wait, why are you doing that? What do you mean by that? That sounds impossible and blow it off. And so that is what makes some of these things unbelievable and seemingly impossible, but they're not. And entrepreneurs are pursuing that every day. And so my purpose is to make sure that people pay attention. And you're up to about 295 companies in your That's portfolio right. now. So yeah. maybe by the end of this week, you'll yes. cross the 300 threshold. Over. <laughs> uh, Startup Health puts out a lot of great information. We're going to talk about some of the things that you do in terms of uh, creating that believability yeah. for the companies in your portfolio. But I just ran through and preparing for today, I went through and, and updated uh, some of my knowledge for some of the information you put out. If you look online for the Startup Health Q3 report, they put out a, a quarterly report and there's some amazing numbers in there. Uh, Q3 had $420 million invested in health innovation. There was a total of $10.4 billion year-to-date at the end of Q3. And even just today, you put out a report that was $146 million invested just last week. Yeah. So it looks to be on track for another good year, maybe the second yeah. largest year in terms of overall investment. Um, median deal size is, uh, size is going up. It's about 50% up on right. last year. We're seeing great things happening with IPOs, Livongo and Health Catalyst, mm-hmm. both IPO deck in July. And and we, are, we saw a $250 million raise from Tencent with their trusted doctors platform. So lots of great things happening. Yeah. So why is it still a struggle for startups to find good investors or willing investors? And why is it hard for investors on the other side of the coin to find good deal flow? Yeah. Well, I think it's because there honestly has never been a better time to be an entrepreneur because you have access to so many wonderful resources and communities and technologies. You can build things really cheaply and you can get them out into the market. And one of the things that you didn't mention in terms of the statistics is that there's over $10 billion, but that's about 600 deals that have been done. But they were also done by over 1,000 individual investors. So unique investors, let's put it that way. So there's a lot of investors out there. And we absolutely hear that I'm having a hard time finding an investor. It's tough for me to find somebody. There's not that many investors out there. Well, there's over 1,000, over 1,000 this year alone. This sounds like you can actually raise money doing it. So what winds up happening is that entrepreneurs have a tough time breaking through the noise. And they have a lot of that has to do with the fact that the messaging may not be particularly clear. It may not necessarily be repeatable. Or there's not those metrics or the things that a, a particular venture capitalist or investor looks for may not necessarily be there yet. And that, I think, is a really important a key component here. Let me just ask the people in the room. Uh, raise your hand if you're an investor, just to get an idea of who's here. Right. And raise your hand if you're awesome. in the room. Raise your hand if you're a startup. Okay. Yes. A few more of those. All right. 
So it sounds like with some of the problems, though, is that it's easy to blame the person or the organizations that hold the purse strings. Yeah. And it's easy to take down the, the business and say, oh, well, if I, I only could have made it if mm-hmm. someone had, had seen or believed or chosen to invest. Is that yeah. really the case? Are the VCs the villain in this whole thing? Though I wish I could say that, I don't think that that's necessarily (laughs) the the case. One of the things that we hear fairly often, and particularly when we're approached with uh, an opportunity to invest capital, is, okay, so I need $2 million in order for me to uh, start selling and build my traction. I'm like, that's not really what you need money for. Flip that and start saying that my goals over the course of the next year are going to be to get 10 customers. It's going to be to deploy in a particular ge- geographic area. And in order to do that, let's do that to, let's do that together. The partnership here is a value exchange. It's not that I need money so that I can execute. It's that I am on my plan and you have an opportunity to invest alongside me. As it relates to investors, investors are people too. And they use pattern recognition in order to find the deals that are going to be meaningful for them that fit their criteria. A typical investor gets over a dozen inbound messages a day. So how are you going to be breaking through that? What are the types of things that you are saying that get somebody to pay attention? And it's just trust me, it is not going to be a slew of paragraphs that It says every single minute aspect about your organization just so that they can pick up on a keyword here or there. It seems I I get a lot of pitches as well. I'm not an investor, but I have a lot of people contact me and say they want to come on the program. And and I imagine the 12 unsolicited approaches that you say investors receive each day, that's just unsolicited approaches that they're just randoms coming up in their inbox. I imagine that, that there's a similar pattern, which is people emailing and saying, let me tell you about me. Yeah. And let me tell you about why you should be interested in me. But there's not really any interest in the other person. Is that one of the weaknesses? It sounds like what you're trying yeah. to do with these startups is that you're trying to help them coach their story yeah. and, and how they're engaging. Well, I think that's what we just heard about in the previous session. It's about empathy and it's about engaging. And it's not about when you, t- you know, when I tell a story about what Startup Health does, or uh, when an entrepreneur tells a story about uh, what they do, it's sometimes it's just rooted in them today. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I achieve. Rather than, uh, rather than sharing a story that engages the other person, St- uh, taking a pause seeing whether they're interested or not, or paying attention. We have so many examples of of, uh, things that work and don't work. And what we're trying to do is make sure that people pay attention, can remember that story, can share it, can be their champions going forward. You used a term when we talked about this earlier Mm. called missionary selling. Yeah. Which was new to me. I don't know if anybody else has heard that already, but can you describe what that is? Yeah. So missionary selling is effectively sharing your story with one person in hopes that that one person then is able to share it with their network. So you're engaging one person at a time and then they need to be able to play a very good game of telephone and share it with others. So think about it this way in terms of your startup and the things that you guys are doing. All of you after this are probably going to go have a drink and or mix and mingle at a networking event. 
And the number one question that you are going to get is, all right, so uh, what do you do? Right? And you know you're going to get that question. Are you prepared to answer that question? And how are you going to answer that question? Because the thing that you are trying to achieve out there at that event is giving somebody a really memorable one-liner that when they go back to their homes, wherever they may, may be for either home if they're an angel investor or going back to their LPs on a Monday meeting is to be able to say, I met an entrepreneur who does this. This is how they change the world. And they're able to repeat your message. That's your goal. Can you give us some examples? Because I, I know you had a bit Why, of a, yes, I can. a breakdown about how that sentence or a few sentences are actually yes. structured. Oh, gosh, she's got her phone so now. So I am going to pull up a phone, my phone. I apologize. And I am going to read a sentence that I received in a pitch recently. And you guys tell me if this, is, this sounds familiar. Or um, if you've heard something like this before. We empower patients with a seamless, connected healthcare experience by leveraging and connecting existing patient data while delivering hospital and physician networks improve patient experiences and decrease administrative patient costs, which simplifies access of medical records and services for the patients and caregivers, family, friends, and medical professionals. Raise your hand if you've received an email oh, like God. that in the past week. I know I have gotten about a dozen. Okay. How many of you, be honest, if any, just, you don't need to raise your hand, but recognize for yourself if you've ever written that email. And honestly, that is a single sentence yeah. that I just read. So just put yourselves in the shoes of an investor. Put yourself in the shoes of an advocate. Put yourself in the shoes of any person that you meet today. And when that person asks, well, what do you do? If that is what you deliver, you fail. You likely, when you say something like that, you yourself are completely tuned out. You're thinking about something else. Oh, I have to write that other email. I have to respond to this person. Oh, uh, man, I, when is my flight again? But you're just, all you're doing is this. That's all you're doing. And now you want to try to blame an investor because they don't understand what you do. Because they can't repeat it. And you say, well, they just don't get it. Yeah, you're right. They don't get it. They don't get it because so, you don't either. Can you give us a good example then? Yes. Because I'd much rather I would <laughs> focus love to. on that one. I'll give you a couple. We extend independence with dignity. We create confident parents. We eliminate the devastation of chronic pain. We extend the life expectancy of black men by 10 years. We deliver the benefits of the sun. Now I'm going to share a secret. The only reason why I'm looking at my phone while I read this is because I had a couple of examples queued up, but I remember all of them. And not one of those statements mentioned how they do it. Mm -hmm. It didn't mention a technology or a platform or an experience or SaaS or anything. If I had started out to say something like, well, you know, it's a coaching app or it's a patient engagement app or, you know, it's a platform that uh, utilizes artificial intelligence or NLP, but you, some of it, yeah. which do the, uh, these companies do do that, you would have tuned out. Yeah. There's a structure to it though, right? Yeah. There's, there's a, can you take us through the structure about how you're actually putting those things together? Yeah. It's we, verb, and result. 
So the it's all about having that verb is you can start with help if you don't know what the verb actually is, but start to change it, start to make a definitive. Yeah. yeah. So there's one thing that I, I've said to companies of all sizes that those are early stage businesses that are pitching you and they're yeah. going to pitch people at this event over the next three days. But I, I've always told organizations that I don't care what you're doing or what product you're making. We're all selling the same thing. Mm. We are all selling transformation. We are yeah. trying to bring people or organizations from their current state to a future state. Yeah. And in that transformation, you're basically trying to guide them through a path to help demonstrate your authenticity and your authority and your experience and why what it is that you're doing is going to help people achieve that transformation from A to B. And essentially what I see, and especially in that first example, mm-hmm. there's something, I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with it, called the hero's journey. Yeah. And the hero's journey can be really powerful when you're actually positioning a company that's trying to disrupt because you're really mm-hmm. talking about, uh, you've got a hero, you've got a guide, and you've got some sort of obstacle. And a lot of people in that first example, that poor example that you gave, they position themselves as the hero, it sounds like yeah. to me, that they are the ones who are going to be able to have this solution with their data and their algorithms to be able to deliver the solution. But really, the hero is the person who's taking that journey. And what I think we want to do, and I'll mm-hmm. see if this, it certainly applies in podcasting yeah. and, and marketing, but tell me if it applies in raising capital, but we want to help people be guides. And we want to make the people who are using the solutions to be the heroes mm-hmm. and then simply position our organizations, our products or services as the guides to help make that happen. Does that, Absol- does that translate? Absolutely. And so I think uh, that if you're positioning what you're doing in these like tool-based uh, ways, and that is what you're talking about, or you're talking about the tool, it's going to become obsolete in two to three years. Who knows whether we're going to have phones or apps or uh, what have you, uh, running things. We're talking about something long-term. And the people that we are heroes to, they don't go away after two years. They're there. And so how are you thinking about how you are impacting them? Ask yourself a question of 25 years from today. How is the world different? Because I existed. Because we as an organization existed. And then you'll be able to get to that hero component, which is uh, the reason why it's critical for raising capital is because that longevity needs to be there. That through line, that focus has to be there. And if all you're doing is developing a set of tools, then you'll just uh, start meandering around and what kind of business are you creating then? There's a great book I recommend people check out called Story Brand. I'm forgetting mm-hmm. the author's first name. The last surname is uh, Miller. So take a look at that, uh, for that on Amazon, Story Brand. That'll talk about how you can position companies to really try to attract people and help them make that transformation. In addition to help, helping to coach these early stage businesses with their story, what are some of the actual deliverables that you bring to, to those organizations to help them deliver that message? Because you've got the festival coming up, yeah. you've got an award-winning magazine, you have a podcast series I'm a big fan of. So tell me about some of the things that you're actually doing to help deliver that message and make those yeah. connections. Yeah, we find that particularly for entrepreneurs, it's really important to get that message out there. Again, there's one thing about having a one-on-one conversation with somebody and engaging them, but there's something different to be able to share that message broadly. And so what we do is we work with entrepreneurs to be able to create that message, to be able to share it across our media platform and amplify these stories of progress. So what we do is we write about entrepreneurs' 
every single quarter, make sure that we can share their stories regularly and demonstrate to investors and customers, partners and caregivers and families alike that these solutions exist out there and they're making progress and they're making an impact. And so we're doing that via newsletter, via social media, our online magazine, our physical magazine, um, our latest issue just uh, came out in October. And so also through the Startup Health Festival and uh, Startup Health TV. So all of which in a variety of different cadences and ways gets the stories of our entrepreneurs out there. So you're really helping them not just create their stories, but cut across the noise. Yeah. Because, you know, again, referencing back my, uh, with my podcast experience and I didn't start as a podcaster. I don't have any background in journalism. I came from engineering and product development and sales and marketing. So this podcasting twist in my life has mm-hmm. been uh, an interesting one to, to learn how all these things come together. But really going back to your, the examples that you read, you're really trying to write that headline, if you will, mm-hmm. and, and help people cut across the noise. And I think it's important when you think about the investors who are listening to so many pitches, you're trying to serve them by giving them something that's going to help your message stand out. And yeah. one of the things that I tell the guests that, that uh, would like to come on the program is like, let's write the headline first. Let's figure out how uh, out of all the 3000 messages that we're going to be bombarded with today, why should people double tap on that and actually dive into that and say, well, you know, you've got my interest now make it worth my while. Do you think that sometimes early stage business entrepreneurs, startups, they're just doing a spray and pray approach? You've got the lanyard on that says you're an investor. I'm going to come talk to you and tell you what I do. Yeah, I, I think so. It's really easy to be able to filter by investors and just to email everybody or try to LinkedIn them. And it's that hero component, right? Who do you want to be a hero to? In this instance, maybe you want to be a hero to an investor. Do you want to be a hero to all investors? Probably not. You want to be a hero to investors that have your specific criteria that you fit, that where there is an alignment between the things that you're trying to achieve together. It's not just all about financial benefit. I think as entrepreneurs, you do yourself a, a disservice if all you're doing is approaching everyone who is not interested. And all of a sudden you're telling them about all the things that they don't care about. And if you're starting out with the what you do component and the tech component and that market component, you're very easily going to be filtered out. Someone's going to say, oh, I know somebody who does something like this. Oh, I'm not interested. Don't want to see another organization that does that. But if you start out with that headline, and you pause. So all you do is you say the headline and then you sit in silence and make them fill it. Then all of a sudden they're engaged. And maybe they're not, maybe they're not going to invest. Maybe they're still not interested. But you've now just formed a relationship. Maybe they'll introduce you to someone who is. Maybe they'll be an investor for you down the road. Maybe they'll be a great advisor. And it's that relationship component that I think we miss when all we're looking for is money. Right. And actually, just last weekend, and I tweeted about this earlier, there's a podcast I listened to by DeepMind, uh, based in the UK, and they actually talked about targeting 
the investors mm. that you want to go to and, and really doing the proper diligence and research yeah. about that. And they gave an example. If you look on Twitter at Health Tech Dan, I just tweeted it a few hours ago. You can find a link through to the podcast where they talked about this. But one of the founders of DeepMind gave the example that what he did was he actually knew the investor that he needed, uh, that he wanted, because he, he had the profile set up for the length of investing it was going to take for this sort of AI uh, technology development. And he went and did a lot of research on that person. And when he finally had the opportunity to meet that person at an event not dissimilar to this, he was able to deliver a, a, a morsel of knowledge about a particular hobby of that investor, which was around chess. And out of all the dozens of people at that event that was pitching this, uh, that were pitching the investor, his comments stood out because mm -hmm. it, it piqued his interest, yeah. it showed that he had done research, gave a little bit of engagement, and then that followed on with about a, a, an hour and a half meeting in their offices and they got investment. So I think really focusing and understanding that just because someone says they're an investor doesn't mean that they're necessarily investing in your sort of solution or your sector, yeah. right? Yeah. And the, the fact that I mentioned there's over a thousand in investors, that doesn't mean there's a thousand investors for you, right? It's a thousand investors for you to choose from. So you figure out what is your criteria for an investor and you'll be able to see whether that person fits your criteria and they, you fit theirs. It's in the same way that you focus on customers, it's the same way that you choose friends. It's the same way that you figure out who you actually want to have a relationship with. You don't want to spend your time on a thousand different people. You want to be able to narrow it down and have meaningful discussions, meaningful conversations that lead to something that is tangible and worthwhile. So when you see us having drinks and dinner over the next few days, uh, come up and, and tell us what you do. And yeah. we'll, we'd love to, to hear your headline and yes. what it is that you're focused on. Last thing before I let you go yeah. that also relates, it's a little bit of a switch, but I wanted to make sure I brought it up. We were talking about it earlier. It's the focus on patience. In mm. the last two quarterly reports you've done, you've named 2019 as the year of the mm. patient. So can you explain what that means and why Startup Health has, has made that pronouncement? Yeah. So that's really important for us. When you've been in this industry for as long as we have, you start to see that sometimes the patient voice gets lost and uh, that patients uh, become deemed as an end user and not the person that we want to be a hero to. And what we've seen over the last couple of quarters, particularly in 2019, is how much focus and investment has actually gone into companies that are patient first, that put patient empowerment at the center of what they do and giving a patient and their caregivers and their loved ones the tools that they need in order to focus on themselves and maybe not necessarily focus on the administrative things or the operational things, but focus on what truly matters. And so we see that trends within in, uh, with an investment happening, which is amazing. And so we want to continue to shine a spotlight on the fact that solutions exist for some of the, uh, for some of the most common and some of the most rare diseases out there. And so entrepreneurs are actually working to solve. How do you walk that walk though? Because that, the term patience puts a label on, sure. on a person. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because yeah. I, I just came from the health meeting in Las Vegas where they had the patient awards and they, they had patient advocates. And so 
it's a word we need to use, but it's difficult to balance it with words like consumer centric mm-hmm. or individualized or personalized. So yeah. do you have any sort of insights about how you sort of balance those things and not try to put a label on people as patrons or one thing or the other, but try yeah. to embrace all things? Yeah, I think uh, that's a really good point in terms of making sure that we are looking at this uh, holistically and that you're not treating patients as an object. So that uh, for us, when we, uh, when we look at patient empowerment, we want to make sure uh, when we're looking at technologies, it's not about acting upon the person, but rather making sure that the person is uh, within their own care. So that's uh, why when we look at, if you do uh, take a look at our report and you see functions, it's all about empowerment. Patient, It's uh, not patient-centric solutions or something like that. It's about patient empowerment. And again, giving individuals agency and on how they act within their own care. Great. Well, when you, when you look at what Lavongo did with their IPO mm-hmm. and you sit and talk with Glenn Tolman, who is the founder of that company, it's entirely around yeah. what he calls consumer centric. And that seems to be a real trend that that's happening. And I think it's as Stefano was saying earlier, it's really about, uh, it's the, the phase two, it's the second wave of how we need to bring these solutions into reality. Is there anything that you wish I would have asked you that you, that I haven't done yet? No, I don't think so. But I do want to extend the call to action to the audience here of not just introduce yourselves to us, but to each other. And after you say that headline, after you state your moonshot, take a pause. Live in that really uncomfortable moment of when someone else needs to engage with you and then just talk to them. That's all this is about. While you're on your phones, if you could search for the Doc SF podcast, you'll be able to take this conversation we just had and other conversations throughout the day and share that with all your friends and colleagues that weren't here. Paulina, thank you very much for being with me. Let's thank give her you. a hand. Thank you. Episode 22 brings us to the end of season three which was based on the content delivered from the stage at DocSF in San Francisco in January 2020, and DocSF EU held in partnership with Frontiers Health in Berlin in November 2019. We sincerely hope you found the content useful and instructive. Our goal of the Digital Orthopedics Conference is to catalyze the adoption of digital health tools in the musculoskeletal space by showcasing what can be done today to help us deliver better care to our patients. The Digital Orthopedics Podcast is a way to amplify that message and as well to bring you different perspectives on the world of digital health and orthopedics. Many thanks to the team that worked tirelessly to make DocSF 2020 happen. Christina Portillo, the Director of Operations at DocSF. Shauna Butler, RN, the Director of Experience at DocSF. And Mike Ryan, the Chair of the DocSF Advisory Board. James Hobbs and Christine Hilgert from Meet the Expectations who ran the event flawlessly. And last, Jen Oppenheim and Michael Jacobson from MHJ Consulting, who work with our sponsors to fund our mission. We also wish to acknowledge the partnership and support for DOCSF of the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of California, San Francisco, and in particular the support of our chairman, Dr. Tad Vale, and our Chief Administrative Officer, Richard Capra, who had the foresight to back this vision. We would be remiss without thanking Dan Kendall at the Health Podcast Network, who has supported our efforts from day one. Our sponsors share our vision for a digitally enabled world, and without them, DocSF would not be possible. For DocSF 2020, we wish to thank in particular our platinum sponsor, Stryker, 
our gold sponsor, Zimmer Biomet, our silver sponsors, Diffusynthese and Smith Nephew, and our bronze sponsors, Medtronic and OrthoGrid. For the success of our Berlin conference, we wish to thank our partners at Frontiers Health and Healthware International, and in particular, Luigi Pavia, Antonietta Panella, and the inimitable Roberto Ascione. Along with our European sponsors, Heroes Medical. I am your host, Stefano Bini, Professor and Chief Technology Officer in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of California, San Francisco. Also founder and chair of the Digital Orthopedics Conference San Francisco and founder and host of this, the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. We will change gears in season four and focus on bringing you stories about how technology is helping musculoskeletal providers adapt to the COVID-19 epidemic. Thank you for listening.